0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Grow With Grace podcast. My name is Cindy Van Cleve, the creator and host, and joining me today is Madison Lovett. Madison is a member of FFA and 4-H, has a blog called Diary of an Ag Kid, and organized a Woman in Agriculture Conference for Calhoun County. I'm very excited to have Madison on the podcast today and chat with her all about her love for advocating for agriculture. So without further ado, Madison, would you please share a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Madison
1: Lovett. I am a senior at Calhoun High School in Port Lavaca, Texas. I love to advocate for agriculture and serve my community. Um, I show steers and commercial heifers, or I did. Um, I finished my tenth and final year this past October. It's a little sad, but I'm excited for the next chapter. Um, I love to karaoke. I'm at karaoke place every Thursday night, um, and. I really am excited to be here and to be here with Grace. So that's a little bit about me.
0: <laughs> that's perfect. And so basically you've already mentioned a little bit about like how you you said FFA, 4-H, you showed STEERS as as I recall. And so my next question is, what is your journey in agriculture look like?
1: Um so I've definitely had a traditional upbringing in agriculture. Um, my family runs a cow calf operation. Um, we have the oldest cattle brand in the state of Texas. Um, yes, ma'am. my seventh great grandfather um, founded the brand espíritu de Jesus and the Delion colony here in um, like Gulf Coast, the Gulf Bend um, part of Texas um, so that's kind of carry on the family legacy for us um, And I'm very proud of that. Um, We still continue to use that brand today. Um, And through that, I've kind of decided, you know, like I do want to carry on doing the commercial operation. I really love it and being able to spend time with my family. um, Definitely having like a close knitted family. Uh, My mom has four brothers and I have a lot of cousins. I have 48 first cousins. Um, So we have a very, very big, like, family um and that's across um but being able to be in this business and be able to advocate um through our family business and what we do has been a large part of my upbringing um we recently started a clothing brand um called a spirit today jesus right for the brand um and through that we're advocating for agriculture and sharing our journey with christ Um, And I really enjoyed being able to work with my entire family on it. Everything that we do with in our agricultural business and the clothing brand is all within house and it's a family affair for sure. But I really enjoyed doing that and kind of going into growing up for me. um, My parents are divorced. So my mom lives in Port Lavaca and my dad lives in Port O'Connor. I am not agricultural on my dad's side and my mom's side is very agricultural. Agricultural. So on one side I got the beach and I got the bay and the other side I got the cow working and the agricultural advocacy um, and my mom so she started out in 4-H she raised lambs and so did I um, for the first four years. Um, and so it was always like growing up like hey like would you be interested in doing 4-H you know like I would really like if you would get into it, you know, um, raise animals to save money for college so kind of going into that, I hit the first grade, and little Madison wanted to be a fashionista. A, I wanted to go to Paris, and I wanted to go to fashion school, and it was really funny, because I had just, like, watched, like, the Barbie fashion show movie. I was and just thinking about that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Was, you're saying. good. I was a Barbie child, all the way. And you know what? I still kind of am. It's okay. I watch all along with my little sister. And so I fell in love with like doing fashion. And in my little like first grader mind, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be on New York fashion week. I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to do all this cool stuff with fashion. Well, lo and behold, I'm almost 18 years old. I really, really don't love fashion that much. And I was like, I like to dress cute. I give myself a little bit of credit, but I definitely, that was just like my episode then. So really my love for fashion was what got me into 4-H. Actually, my mom was like, well, kind of bugging, you know, like all this 4-H stuff. I know you weren't like super down to raise the lambs, but um, they have fashion and they have clothing and textiles. Mm -hmm. So I went to my first class and I was sold. I think my very first project was making an apron. for at home baking. And I, everybody was so welcoming. Like even the older kids, they sat there and mentored with me. I never touched a sewing machine and my extension agent and one of the senior 4-H'ers at the time, they sat with me and we ran that machine for like three hours making this apron. It definitely should have taken like 30 minutes, but just them taking the time to sit there and mentor to me and actually put time and effort because I was pretty annoying little six-year-old and so like just being able to take that time and really like put their effort into that that's really what got me started into wanting to be a leader within um, the organization and from there I did clothing and textiles at the county level until I was in the third grade and I went on to continue doing that until I was in the eighth grade and I went to district middle school, as well as in elementary, you know, but you just can't advance to state. I, I had dreamed of state roundup my whole entire life. And I was so, so excited. And so kind of going back, I know I kind of skipped a little round. There's a lot of details in there. But um, I really, really ended up liking showing lambs. Um, I did that for four years. So from the third um, till the seventh grade. Around that time, Um, and then I got an opportunity um, from a family within my county. They had their youngest son who was aging out. He was a senior, and they had raised steers, and um, Mr. and Miss Miller, they're like my fourth grandparents. I love them so much. They came to me, didn't know me, didn't know my family, you know, like they'd seen me in the show barn, like growing up raising my commercial heifers and my lambs, and they came to me, and were like, hey, if you want to show a steer, we'd be happy to help mentor you. Um, and then from there, we're going to go and you can use our facilities and everything. Like we'll teach how to do everything. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I work cows. My mom and them, we have some pretty rowdy cows and we run cattle on the powder horn, the Santa Rita. So it's a pretty big, um, like space for land. So it's like, can't have all of them. My uncle Michael's cows are pretty rowdy. So I'm thinking like that's my image in my mind of like, oh, I gotta be like this close to its face. Like, what are we doing? I mean, like lambs. I've had some rowdy lambs, but I, I've also seen some rowdy cattle. And so my mom and I were like sitting talking about it. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. And just something, you know, like in my brain and in my heart, it was just like, you know what, you might as well try it. And if you absolutely hate it, you can not do it anymore and it'll be fine. Well, lo and behold, I also fell in love with showing steers and I never went back after that. Um, I didn't really grow up doing major shows like a lot of people. And I was like, I've shown at San Antonio when I was in middle school um, for a steer. And then I went back, I got a scramble certificate um, during the freeze. So I showed a Duroc pig, but I never really went to major shows to show cattle. Um, or pigs or anything like that but I always went for like livestock judging or other contests but I really love the major shows Um, and from there it's just been 10 years of blowing and going with sheep and commercial heifers and steers and I I loved it every part of the way and so kind of like as a senior you don't really realize wow you've been doing this for an entire decade but it's just kind of now like coming to terms with I'm not like sad, like, I'm not going to miss necessarily, like, having to clean poop off of a steer's butt right before the show, you know, but it's more like the memories that I have doing it in the life lessons that I learned. I'm going to miss, like, you know, waking up and having to go feed or let out steers or, you know, it's just the little things that you don't realize is going to get you in the long run, but I, anything that I would tell kids who are showing now, like, you may be mad at your lamb or your steer or any animal that you have now. You may not want to go walk it, but at the end of the day, you know, you're going to miss it when you get to be a senior in high school or even after that, and you're like, dang, I wish I would have, you know, not have taken that for granted the entire time, but really showing and doing clothing and textiles, and that was what really got me started and what I did most of growing up. Um, I did, I attended-
0: (laughs) you're good Um, that's I love how like the how you've been like growing up with it since like forever basically and when you were talking about um like wanting to be like a fashionista one I was definitely thinking Disney's fashion fairy tale and two when I did not know where this story was going like thought you were gonna say like you dressed up in the ring I was about to say you made that show ring your runway (laughs) and but Oh yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely done that a
1: time or two where my fashion style is great. Probably not. It was like a whole tornado walking in that arena, but my mom was like, there was no stopping you walking in there, but definitely I really, really was a Barbie girl. I really thought I was growing up to be the next Barbie. And so <laughs> I was going to make my, if they came out with a Barbie movie with agriculture and farming, like today,
0: it was, I, I would buy it, it. from the DVD.
1: <laughs> but, but um yeah and so kind of going into FFA um I did live start judging start now because you know at that point uh my extension agent who had been with us um for majority of my elementary and middle school career he decided that he was going to move back to home we were devastated um but he ended up going back and so we were kind of in a space to where um we didn't have anybody And so, my ag teacher at the time, um, or my ag teacher-to-be, she kind of had known that I was competing. She had seen me at competitions with other Calhoun kids that I knew who were also doing FFA and 4-H. And she was like, hey, like, if you want to come to FFA practices, you know, like, we have them in the morning. You can come before school. Um, And then your mom can just take you up uh, back to the middle school. It's right across the street. Um, So, I ended up starting there. And I really enjoyed competing um with FFA as a junior member, I guess. We don't really have a big established junior program in Calhoun yet, but we're working on it. Um and so I kind of started doing the live start judging and I was not really sure what else I wanted to do. But once I really got into it um and like found like, hey, there's different opportunities here than there are in 4H, it's not going to conflict because I was worried about that. I really just again I dove straight in and I was excited to be able to do that. And I got to miss more school. I was like, that's probably a terrible example. School is important, children. But I am very, very good at playing hooky for agricultural events. Um, And so anything that would take me out of school, I was in for it. And so I went on and I started competing. I started doing junior quiz and I was the green NFA president and then COVID. And so for that entire year, it was kind of you know, a lull. Um, and then in August of 2020, I was diagnosed with a rare brain disorder called functional neurological disorder, which affects my ability to walk and occasionally speaking. Um, currently in a relapse right now, but it's okay because we're thriving and vibing. I ain't got time for that. So I just block it out. But um, it, I spent six months relearning how to walk and dealing with trying to figure out how to get my speech back and stuff like that. And it's still a struggle occasionally but it's more I had more trouble not being able to compete and do the things that I loved within 4-H and FFA than I did not being able to walk and not being able to speak and having all the other issues that came with it because really I mean I understand like I took a gap year I had plans that I was going to go do FFA and run for an office again so I can do chapter and then I wanted to run for district and eventually area and then maybe state and so in my Mine like sitting back at the freshman standpoint, I was like, hey, like, you know, like I had all these plans and now I can't walk. Sometimes I can't talk. What am I supposed to do now? And it had just been a pause. Like everything like COVID had already put everything like in a stopped motion and now you can't walk. So really, how are you gonna move? And that was a struggle for me because I was just reevaluating everything that I had my identity in. I mean, because I was a kid. I was out of school two to three times a week, going and competing, doing livestock judging, or going and doing leadership events, or camps, or workshops. With you know, with both 4-H and FFA. And so, I had spent so much of my time being busy, and like really, um, I probably was only home for dinner one, one or two nights a week. And you know, we're a close family, so that's you know, kind of weird for me but I had just gotten to the point to where my whole identity was in 4-H and FFA and the things that I did instead of really being, you know, like in the present, just being me. And I was always looking to be gone. You know, I think I, I got caught up in, you know, like what's the next move instead of taking like what I had right in front of me um, for what it's worth. And so going into that, like you just have to sit and reevaluate yourself. And I mean, like when your legs don't work you know, you have got a lot of time to do that. And so, while I was relearning how to walk, I was retraining my brain to think in a different manner, also. And so, like, being more positive and trying to put my best foot forward, and really like reevaluate. Like, hey, like, spend some more time with your family. You don't have all the time in the world to just, you know, be with them. And so, you don't have all the time in the world to just be lagging off in school, or trying to get out as much as possible. Because really, those relationships that you make in those, in that time while you're in school and while you're in these organizations like 4-H and FFA, those are so important because they'll last a lifetime. Um, And so once I had kind of gotten to um, LDE and CDE season, I was heartbroken because, you know, like um, with my episodes, with my F and D come like dissociations and uh, seizures here and there. So it was kind of hard to compete because at times like I'd be like middle of, quiz contest online like passed out like over in the corner and so um and like memory loss like can't memorize facts when you like lose memory like every couple of hours and so kind of like struggling with that and relearning how to really train like the way that we had gone and learned because usually we would just do like quizlet and stuff like that or coaching it was just like finding new ways to figure out how that I can still be present and still compete and do the things that I loved while also learning how to live again. And so going on with that, my agricultural community was probably my biggest support system in the whole world. And I have an amazing family, my mom, my dad, my stepdad, my brothers and my sisters. They literally like pushed me through this era, like in a wheelchair and down because my panic response worked. So we figured that out pretty early on. Um, but really like, my teammates would find new and innovative ways to like help me remember my quiz facts like um, that lifestyle judging tests everything and so like for that whole chapter of my life like I just had to sit in there and evaluate like hey like you have this amazing system here like what are you doing like you're very individualistic like i was super super competitive like you want to ask me advice about life start judging i'm not going to tell you because you could use it against me and i was like it was kind of just sitting back and reevaluating like hey like these people are here for you these people are supporting you and so now like i'm 2 years pretty much over it at points and i really just want to give back to the people who gave to me because that was 9 months of our lives you know where they're literally every thing to me and I'm um, I just really want to give back at this point point. and even like kids who don't have a big support system you know like I have a lot of friends who don't have that and so I really just want to be that for them and I mean like that chapter of my life is probably the most impactful for me because you just have to sit and realize hey like there's people who are here for you your jacket and your clover is not your whole identity it's stuff that you do it's not who you are and with that too, like your sickness or what happened to you is also not your identity either. And that's been one of the most recent and impactful things that's gone on in my life. And now since we're recovering a little bit on a brighter note, um, I've just been working. Um, I became a livestock ambassador in 2021 and I have loved every single minute of it. If you're able to get in the livestock ambassador program, just full send, get in. like As soon as you can, put in your application There are so many opportunities that I've had because I've been able to learn and make connections um, through the organization with TYLA. Um, I was able to go to um, the, um, excuse me, the Capital Leadership Experience last February, um, so about a year ago, and whole mindset changed, like mind blown. Um, I'd been kind of, you know, back and forth on what I wanted to do with my career. Um, I knew I wanted to go to a small agricultural school just with uh, my disability, like with mobility issues. You know, a a big campus. I love A&M. Grew up going to A&M. Just not for me. Um, so kind of going into that, I was looking for schools, looking for what I thought I wanted to major in. And I wasn't sure. Originally, I thought I wanted to be an ACT teacher. Um, and I think it's so important because I was 100 percent in for advocacy. Um, I love it so much. I think it's so important. And I really just want to, you know, like if there's one thing that I can do in my life, you know, like a dream of mine is like my legacy. Like I want to be like known for giving fluidity for agriculture. And it's so important because these days, like you look everywhere on social media, like other than like the agricultural advocates and there's so much hate towards it, and I was like, I watched a post the other day, and it was like interviews with college students, and they were like, you know, like, how do you think we should um, stop climate change, and they are like, well, get rid of agriculture, and I'm like, how are you going to eat, like, what are you going to do, you know, and so just, you know, influencing the younger generations, and even the older who are misled, or who think negatively because of past experience, like, I just want people to know, like, you know, like, this is the industry for life, you know, and, you know, growing up in it, like, it's so big for me. I mean, like, not only is it, like, how my family gets our livelihood, but also, like, really, like, issues like food insecurity are very dear to my heart. Like, if I can fix that, agriculture is the answer. And so just spreading awareness and educating people on what probable solutions are in ag and what the future can be with it. Um, And so really like going with that I went to this leadership experience and I sat down and we talked to all these people um different advocates um you know like Laura James um she's a livestock ambassador and one of my dear friends she's from my district um and she's currently serving as our state president or not state president our state vice president um for FFA for area 11 and she went and she lobbied for agricultural education when she was 16 years old um, with the help of Senator Coldcourse. And what she did was basically she advocated for the issue. She used personal experience. She used her livestock ambassador training, you know, and she went and she delivered. She talked about why there's a need for agricultural education, why there's a need for students to know where their food comes from, you know, what goes on like what the practices are and everything and she went she advocated she got it passed and you know like that's mind-blowing to me And it's like not only like at 16 years old did she do that but she made a change and she made an impact like that's huge for the agricultural industry because there are so many kids I went did Houston tours and there are kids who like, genuinely thought that chocolate milk came from brown cows and I know that's like used a lot but I was like people like seriously believe that Mm -hmm.
0: Okay so the next question is so I mentioned in your when I was introducing you that you write a blog called Diary of an Ag Kid what is Diary of an Ag Kid like could you explain it to me please Mm -hmm. or like how did that get started is basically what I'm asking.
1: So Diary of an Ag Kid is an agricultural advocacy blog um I do a little bit of everything there I tell my personal story um I talk about agricultural issues I highlight star agriculturalists um, and then I also have a portfolio that kind of goes into more of like what I do, um, what other people are doing. There's some highlights in there, um, um, highlighting like coastal agriculture specifically. Um, so, really, I got into that. I went to the National State or, excuse me, National FFA convention um, in 2021. Um, and I was able to hear Courtney Dehoff um, speak on, she was a keynote. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this lady, like, this is so cool. You know, um, she is a reporter. She was um, the NFR reporter for 2020, but sadly, like, COVID and everything, COVID tends to mess up quite a few things here and there um, with events. But um, she kind of got into it and she was telling us her story about how even when people told her not to, you know, write about agriculture, not to talk about agriculture because nobody cares, she still continued to do it. And she's, you know, like she's just trailblazer in terms of like agricultural advocacy, you know, to me. And that's huge. And so, you know, like inspired by her and, you know, her being able to tell her story and encouraging us to use our platforms. Um I decided that when I came home that I was going to start an agricultural advocacy blog, aka Diary of an Ad Kid. Um, and from there, I've just ran it. Um, I definitely wish I could post more than I do, but with school and college and you know, all the other events, it gets a little difficult sometimes, but I really enjoyed it. um Again, you know, kind of finding a career. I found that I really, really love ag- advocacy and PR specifically. um I love lobbying the idea of it as well. You know, I know that I want a career in advocacy. And so being able to explore that, you know, like with my blog and through different experiences, I've enjoyed doing that, you know, kind of finding what I like and what I don't like. Um, and so going through with Dive in Ag Kid, I also use my Instagram platform, um, to share just agricultural educational videos or posts, you know, again, like sharing what I'm doing. Um, one thing that I learned, like, through TYLA is, like, as an advocate, one of the most impactful things that you can do is tell your personal experience. Um, a lot of times when people who are super, super combative of agriculture, who are kind of, like, leaning towards the opposite edge, um they're like well so and so does this or somebody does this and that's harmful to the environment or somebody's committing animal welfare here and i'm like well you know you just simply say like hey that's not everybody it's the outliers who make everybody else look bad um and unfortunately like that's just the case sometimes but this is what my family does or this is what i do and here's our practices um that's the most impactful way that you can do that and Mm -hmm. I mean like occasionally you're never going to change somebody's mind um but other times people are you know like in all of that experience you know just be kind be collective you know um and being able to advocate like that it's definitely opened up my eyes so I was never allowed to have social media um until I started my blog same yeah yeah, and I totally get it. I completely agree with my mom's reasoning. Um, she's very protective over us in terms of that. Um, and so kind of going into that, it was a new world for me. And I've learned and I've lived. And Instagram can be a very, very dark place for everybody, including agriculture. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've you know, tried to advocate for is you know like kind of my my grandparents and some older generations you know like everybody grew up with different like you know ways to advocate ways they got news and so kind of going into that like i realized like uh, i think there was a study that said like a whole like a very large percent of teenagers get their news from um social medias Definitely. like instagram like the little things on snapchat whatever um But that's what a lot of kids are getting it from. So I have friends who are not in the ag industry who are like, hey, like, is this true about the ag industry? I saw this and I'm like, oh girl, no, this is misleading. You know, and so kind of like realizing like I think that's where my place right now needs to be in terms of where I focus, where I'm gonna advocate. And so going through the social media aspect, um just kind of you know, doing getting on social media and talking about agriculture can sometimes be controversial. And so I was really open to that, and I've definitely had my share. Um, and really, people are going to hate, people are going to disagree. And at the end of the day, they're totally entitled to their opinions, and all I can do is throw in my two cents and the facts of what I know, and it's their, you know, responsibility or, you know, like, whatever they want to do after that to do with that information. And so with Diary of an iKid, like I said, with um, both the Instagram and the blog page itself, my goal was just to advocate and you know like get news about the agricultural industry out like I wanted people to know like hey the misconceptions you know like those aren't true or really just telling the truth about it because you know like when I first got on the social media like I realized like there's so much you know misinformation going around and I really just wanted to put an end to that and maybe not everybody's gonna take it for what it is but you know if I throw my two cents in that's hundred people who see it you know and whose minds can be
0: influenced that's
1: yeah, a so. like villain but you know what I
0: mean so what you were saying about how like the percentage of however many like teenagers our age you get their news from social media and from online I was reading something it was like that's why it's called your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed or your for you page like they're trying but, well maybe not that one but they're trying to it's like you're soaking it all in and everything that we see, like in the same way of don't let Instagram be your Bible. Don't just use those little Instagram devotionals or those like 30 second clips that are posted of the whole main sermon, but in the same way, don't let Instagram and Facebook be your only news source. And I'm pretty sure of all ages, we can all like on some level relate to that. And also like what you said about like, Like what you do, I feel like the way that you portray agriculture is one, like you said, you're sharing your story and facts tell, yet stories sell. So I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. And then the next one is just like when, as agriculturalists, like you said, we don't, there's not a lot of like truth surrounding it, especially online, unless you're looking at the specific advocate page. So I think, like, like you said, like being kind, not feeding fire to the flame, let's, like, we've already, we say what we have to say. And if the, someone wants to come ask we just like respond kindly, like, well, not exactly. So like my family. So I really like what you said. And I think like as agriculturalists, as youth in agriculture, we can all relate on some level to may- misconceptions surrounding the industry and our organizations. So moving on into the next question, as it is very clear that you have a passion for the agriculture industry. I see it on all levels. It's just basically radiating off off of you and it's shining so bright. So what do you want to do after high school? I feel like most seniors might hate that question, but what do do your plans look like after you graduate in May?
1: So as of right now, um, I plan to attend San Jose State University and I'm gonna pursue a bachelor's degree in agricultural communications and political science. So I can go and hopefully either go into lobbying or PR. And I definitely do want to do some internships. Um, I'm really hoping that I can intern with Capital Farm Credit or even do two and go, um, you know, like, inter, excuse me, intern um, at the Capitol, you know, like in the lobbying and in the policy um, sector. Because I really think that Um, Internships are really good about not necessarily like knowing like helping you find what you wanna do, but helping you find what you don't wanna do. Um, And again, like I know I wanna be an advocacy um, and really I think it's so important because there's a lot of people who are making decisions for agriculture who've never set foot on an agricultural industry um, or on an agricultural, um, you know, operation. And that's mind blowing to me, you know, And so really, like the reason why I want to go into a career like that is so that, you know, like coming from my agricultural background and, you know, hopefully with some more education um, for myself, like I can go make a change and be a voice for other agriculturalists who don't necessarily get a voice or a choice in the policies that are going on um, and going into place that are, you know, like having an impact on them. Um, So definitely I want to go pursue my degree and I want to get educated more. um, Kind of with agricultural communications, it's not necessarily like focused on just the journalism aspect. You learn like a whole bunch of things about agriculture, um, not like just like a focus in just poultry or not just a focus in like horticulture. Um, Really, I need to know a little bit of everything and research and get some specializations also so that I know what I'm talking about so that I can accurately um, put out the facts, and, you know, not lead any more misconceptions than what they are, and that's really big on what I want to do as a career.
0: Yeah. I love that so much. I will also be an ag-com major next year, so yeah. I totally agree. I'll be honest, I haven't taken a lot of, like, your typical ag classes, Like I took floral for two years, but I'm in our agribusiness pathway. So I take leadership classes, which are mainly focused on like our LDEs, our CDEs, our officer and planning events. So I feel like I've learned quite a lot more than I did previously about ag and like I use my podcast as a way to educate myself as well as other people. But um, I'm definitely excited for when I get to learn a little bit of everything because I'll be honest, I don't know as much as I would like to. And so I could agree with you with that. Agree with you on that. And I like what you said about um, not so much learning, figuring out what you want to do, but what you don't want to do. Because like, I know what I want to study, but I have absolutely no clue what I want to do as a career. So I think that's very interesting. And I really like that.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I'm gonna grab my... Okay. So the next question is, tell me a little bit about lobbying, especially on behalf of ag policy. Can you describe to me what that career looks like? And something I did wanna make note of was, you mentioned like speaking for like the farmers and rangers who don't speak for yourself. When I was talking on a previous episode with Laura Beth, she mentioned how, um, like a lot of our like ag policy makers, they, weren't raised on a farm they maybe have never stepped foot onto like an agricultural operation and I think like even just coming from like growing up around cow-calf operations I think that's like so much more than someone who's like hardly ever stepped foot like on a farm if that makes sense. And
1: I think that you know like kind of going off of what Laura said like again there are a lot of people who are making you know decisions on behalf of agriculture again, who don't necessarily like, not necessarily that they don't know what they're doing, but who've never, you know, like they don't know how the impact really impacts, you know, Um, I mean, poor advocacy affects the entire industry. And I think that that's one thing that's really stuck with me, you know, um, I think it was in 2008, don't get me wrong, might want to fact check me. But um, there was a Mac cow disease outbreak that happened in Canada. And, you know, like, all of a sudden, the entire, like, cattle industry in the beef market just tanked, you know, because people are afraid for their lives, you know, like, they don't want to contract this disease. And so, like, politicians and, you know, like, they're real quick to make a statement, you know, like, talk about, like, what's happening. But at the same time, though, there was already so many misconceptions going around. And so really like getting into a job with agricultural policy, you know, like I want that to avoid to happen. And so then they made the decision, which I agree with, that cattle cannot be, you know, slaughtered if they can't walk into a slaughterhouse, you know, like, and that's good policy, you know, like that is what is, you know, like it protects, you know, beef producers and the consumer as well. And so really going into lobbying, What you're doing in that career field specifically is you're going around to policymakers and other politicians or people who, you know, make the big decisions, and you're advocating for your field. And you're talking about, like, hey, you know, like, if somebody wants, you know, like, proposes this idea, like, for a law, you know, and we know it's being proposed, um, this can be for, like, private companies um, or even just, like, in general, like, public law. Um, people will go in or they'll hire a lobbyist and the lobbyists and their team will do research and they will go and propose, you know, like bills or policies um, to the policymakers or, you know, so like Laura, when she lobbied, she went and stood in front of, you know, the entire room and was talking to these policymakers about why it's important for kids to be educated within the agricultural industry, like, why they need to know about it, what are the impacts of them having an education in agriculture um, compared to them not, you know, basically, you're not only advocating for your industry, but you're advocating for that bill proposed. And so going into that, you know, if I'm able to convince people, it's kind of like marketing, if that makes sense, like, you're selling, um, like, a law or policy to somebody basically. And so like, if I can convince people, you know, to get on board with beneficial agricultural policies that will benefit both consumer and producer, you know, I would love to do that, especially if it's going to make, you know, a difference in terms of, you know, like for my family is what I think about, you know, Mm I mean, like all agricultural families have struggled, you know, at points through COVID or like uh, with inflation and, you know, just kind of looking at my family and how, all of it's impacted us, you know, I just want to be in that career so that I can make it a change and avoid, you know, costs and losses that benefit both me and other, you know, consumers as well, because producers are consumers also. And I think that's what, you know, like the general public forgets sometimes is we're not poisoning your food because we eat the food too, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: and just making a positive change. And sure, again, a lot of people talk about you know, like politicians or policymakers or, you know, lobbyists being kind of crooked. And really, I mean, like, sure, there's always going to be somebody who makes everybody else look bad, but there also needs to be people who are making a positive difference. And that's really what I want to do.
0: Wow. I really love that. And I'm wishing you the best of luck, because you are you're like a voice for agriculture and you're using your voice for the industry and that actually goes along with our next question in your opinion what do you think is the biggest thing that youth in agriculture can do for the industry because we talked about like like we just talked about the policies that are being done through politicians and legislature and all the things but as kids because I feel like until I graduate I'm still a child um what can we do to help our industry like what's the biggest thing you think we can we can be doing
1: it it sounds so simple but tell your story you know and I was like even with you like doing your podcast you know like if people ask you about agriculture you know like you're gonna be like hey you know I I do this you know like I grew up, I do FFA and I do 4-H like through my experience, you know, do this, tell about your experience because that's where you're going to relate to people the most. It doesn't matter if they're in agriculture or not, agriculture or not, you know, like for me, you know, like I loved karaoke. That's not even remotely related to agriculture, but you know, like little Susie down the lane who, you know, is like a full, like PETA supporter, like animal rights, welfare, like totally against ag, you know, like we go to karaoke together and we have conversations, you know, but that's where you're going to make the most impact. Be relatable, tell your story, you know, and be honest. And I think a lot of people are like, well, hey, like, these people are never going to want to communicate with me whatsoever, you know, but you don't even realize that, like, just by being personal, being vulnerable, and telling your story, and being true to that, you know, that's what makes the biggest impact for me. And so, like, even when little Susie is telling me her side of the story, you know, like, why she supports, you know, like, animal activists or anything like that, like, I'm hearing her out, because, you know, like, I'm being open-minded, and that's one thing, too, like, really, for youth to make the biggest impact, tell your story, you know, like, share what concerns you, be relatable, be vulnerable, and have an open ear, you know, like, we don't want to get too closed off, you know, like, stand by your, you know, like, you know, the facts and the truth, but also be accepting, you know, to kind of what they're thinking as well, and I think that's how you're going to make the biggest impact. Uh, with agricultural advocacy, and in general, um, just being personable is how you grow connections and relationships, and I think through that is where we're going to have the most impact.
0: Exactly. As someone who's been impacted by other people's stories, especially when it comes towards my experiences in leadership, just like hearing how certain things have maybe inspired other people to make the choices that they've made, or live life, and say what they say, and I think that, like you said, share your story. And we've said that enough. So hopefully whoever's listening, share your story because it's so impactful and valuable. And I just love that. And I think a lot of times we don't want to because maybe we don't know enough about the industry to answer the hard questions. But I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that when it comes down to it, that's when you're like, I don't know the answer, but I know someone who does. And so I don't know. I just feel like we've said it over and over and over, but just our stories are important. And I I love storytelling. And then I love to read in general. So I like to say any sort of written, spoken or anything, stories, books, movies, songs, I want it. I love like just being able to like hear the story, tell the tale. But yeah, I 100% probably rambled that a whole bunch, but I agree. Know. My biggest problem is even if my
1: thoughts aren't fully developed, I just keep talking and it's totally okay. And like you said, I think a lot of the times we don't share because we're scared, like, hey, like, what is somebody Mm going to think of me? And in the wise words of Dr. Billy Zanellini, you know, fear is the biggest killer of opportunity. And I think, you know, we are scared. And I mean, like, I hate public speaking. I am so honest about it. Like I can have a conversation with an entire room, but if you make me rehearse public speak, I'm done. I don't want to do it. And it's because I'm scared that I'm going to mess up. And I think that people are going to judge me. And we really just have to set that thought aside and I'm working on it. I'm, you know, I'm 100% not perfect with that whatsoever. But really, again, you know, just being vulnerable and, you know, like talking about stuff like that that's where you're going to have your most impact and definitely. you know it's just insane but definitely youth can make an impact and I don't care what anybody says about your age
0: or anything like that just yeah. full. You know. I'm so sorry they're doing the announcements right now but our PA system is okay it's done okay so i love talking with you today and like I've said you're shining a light for the industry and just as a person in general your character is like so like prevalent or how does it say, like you can tell like who you are, that you're kind and that you are really, really passionate about the agriculture industry. So I'm gonna ask you our last question as our time comes to an end. Finally, throughout all these moments, whether they're in agriculture and you talked about um, F&D and all of your experiences, where do you think that you've had the most growth and what and what word would you use to describe that growth?
1: I definitely think it was um, when I was in the worst part of my F&D you know really having to grow and realize like your FFA jacket is not your identity you can't you're not you know the clover's not your identity you know the things that you do and the things that happen to you are not your identity you know like really having to learn like and take you know like a breather and step away from everything and like reevaluate and be like hey like I was not the greatest person that I could have been. I was not the best leader that I could have been. You know, like, and, you know, like fighting for having to get back to a sense of normalcy and, you know, like really realizing, like, hey, my normal wasn't my best. And, you know, like kind of having to grow. And so, like, when I was relearning how to walk, you know, I really found, you know, like I found my own ways to walk and speak through, you know, trying to get back to leadership, you know, trying to, compete and really just having a support system like how I did like made me realize like hey when you get over this and you come around the bend and you're better like you need to go ahead and you know like be a better leader as well and so in that time of growth for me was you know just really learning how I guess to adapt to you know like my disability and then also, you know, like realizing like, hey, you can be a better leader here, go ahead and do that. And ever since then, you know, like I never really turned back with it. You know, and that's kind of like a theme in my life. I really am a full sender. Like, that sounds really cheesy, but like once I have my mind made on something, it can be literally like spontaneously dyeing my hair. Um, and I just jump straight into it. It's, it's negative and positive all in one. But really just changing my lifestyle and my mindset on from being you know like you know like this is for me you know it's only for me to hey this is what others need how can I meet that need and how can I do my part you know to help change that in a positive manner
0: I love that and I've loved talking with you today I love your story and I love like how you've like shared it and I believe that you've inspired other people to share their story as well. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been so much fun and I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors at Sam Houston and when it comes to your career, because you're I feel like you're gonna change, make some changes. And I'm excited to be able to have met you prior and say I knew her. I had a whole conversation. So I wish you the best of luck. And thank you so much for talking with me today. I'm breaking
1: up a little bit, but can you hear me now?
0: Yes. Okay, perfect.
1: But thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that I was able to meet you. And again, I love what you're doing. Keep advocating, you know, keep getting on here and telling your story and sharing other stories because it's big. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if you realize or not, but you're making a huge impact, you know, like you made impact on me and you're making an impact on the next generation and again girl you got that telling your story as well but I love it thank you so much for having me
0: thank you it's been so much fun